welcome to another chapter of Family Fiction's Christian Fiction Bookshelf Podcast, where we give you a deeper look into your favorite Christian authors and the inspirations, research, and methodology that goes into writing the books you love to read. Here's your host, Jamie Vaughn. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Vaughn with Family Fiction's Christian Fiction Bookshelf Podcast. On today's episode of the Christian Fiction Bookshelf Podcast, my guest is Jane Kirkpatrick, and she is here to talk to us about her latest book, Beneath the Bending Sky. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm having a little cold. Other than that, doing okay. Oh, I hate the change of seasons when that happens. This is my allergy season, too. I completely understand. Yeah. So what can you tell us about Beneath the Bending Sky? Well, it's um, it's a Montana story, um, okay. but it's also a California story. It's also, I think, a Western story. It's um, about the bigness and the variety of people who populated the West during the 1850s and 60s. Um, but it's also a very personal family story about a girl and her dad, Um, who was very loving but controlling, and how she tried to honor her father um, and was very much a a girl slash woman of faith, and at the same time trying to find her own way when her honoring interfered with what her father thought she should be doing. I understand. Now, you chose to write about a real person in this book. Could you tell us a little bit about her and why you chose to make a fictional account about her life? Well, fictional accounts of historical women is sort of what I do. Okay. uh, So this was my um, probably 30th book. um, I've written four. This is about my 30th, based on the lives of actual women. And um, I... I have always thought that I would, I wanted to write biography of Western mm-hmm. women, but it's really hard to find information about Western women. You can find, I could find things about their husbands, their brothers, their fathers, and their sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found this quote by Virginia Woolf years ago that said, women's history must be invented, mm-hmm. both uncovered and made up. And so um, this was a, a memoir that I read many years ago that she had written about her early life and her relationship with her father. But she was very um, circumspect, I would say. She didn't really delve into what was going on with that relationship with her dad. And she just loved him dearly. And and there was, you know, obvious great evidence of his love for her. Mm-hmm. But he had, he had plans for her and he wanted her to be a teacher and he wanted her to do this and he wanted to do that. Um, and she fell in love. And she fell in love with a man who had been her father's best friend. Okay. And when, and when that came out, that changed everything. And he moved the family out of Montana and into California. And, and it's really sort of a remarkable story about how they managed to find each other again after many years. Oh, wow. That's an amazing story. Um, so what are the themes of the novel? I think the themes are, um, she was a child whose mother died when she was quite young. Mm -hmm. And so there is a whole um, aspect of grief and how, um, how tragedy affects children Mm -hmm. and, um, and the way that children are often very hard on themselves and and are much more critical. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so there's that theme. There's a theme of family and the hope for um, how families can support each other and how there are problems sometimes when they don't support each other or it doesn't look like they're being supportive. 
Um, and another theme is that because of her relationship with um, indigenous people, native people, um, when she eventually reconnects with this great love of her life, um, and they become, um, they go to live on the Jocko Indian Reservation Agency um, in Montana, that how important it is to, to learn to live with your neighbors well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that that's an important theme, I think, too. Wow. So what type of research did you have to do for this book? Well, fortunately, her husband um, was an Indian agent and he had been a journalist. He had three times he had a newspaper that got burned out. And so it was like the history of the West is written in their fires. Let me tell you all the things that would burn up and they'd start over again. Um, but he was quite a, a good writer. And so he kept records which had to be reported, you know, to the um, to the Department of um, Interior, and those were all kept and then reproduced and published, edited and published mm -hmm. by the University of Montana, um, and that was just great that I could access that. Um, and then I had my own experience with a number of Native people because I worked on a reservation for seventeen. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, and some of them were the same tribes, the Nez Perce, for example. Um, and I had read a lot about the Chief Joseph, and it turned out that that was something that had happened. That war was a right. They they got right in the middle of that. Um, and there were incidences in which she had written about and then were later also recorded in other documents mm -hmm. uh, about a father um, who was looking for his daughter. And, and so, so the themes of caring for your children um, and also finding a place with your father is, is really strong in, in the book. Um, the other thing, because I had not spent a lot of time in Montana and this was being researched during COVID, mm. is that I you know read tons of stuff that I could read and essays about people who love Montana. Um, but I also contacted, I, I love to talk to people who work in the field of biology or they are, um, fish and game people, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I, I sort of say they're story impaired. They have wonderful observation skills and they tell the same story over and over again with great detail. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to several people in that field to get a feel for, you know, what is it about Montana that's really critical? And then I was able, um, sort of at the last minute of the document was, uh, manuscript was pretty well finished when I was able to locate the editor of that original memoir um, and she was willing to look at the, look at my manuscript and did a rush, you know, looked at it. And I'm so grateful to her. And it's Ellen Bauer. And, um, she was wonderful. And she mm -hmm. identified some specific things. Like I had a line in there that said, um, May and Helena is balmy. And she's like, no, it's always too cold in May. <laughs> So, you know, just the little things like that, that mm -hmm. someone who lived in Montana would know, oh, she's not a Montanan. Um, and then I also, um, in an odd sort of way, we, several years ago, we had um, invited a young woman who was working on her doctorate in um, physical therapy, and she needed a place to stay during a residency in our town. Mm -hmm. And so we had, an, we had a room and we heard about her need. And so she came to stay with us. And for like three months. Well, it turns out she was from Montana. Oh, okay. And 
her mom uh, was very interested in Montana history. So even though that happened like five or six years ago, when I got ready to do this and uh, to begin research, they just opened up their lives to me and said, mm -hmm. hey, how can we help you? So, um, you know, just sort of serendipitous or, you know, sort of divine intervention, um, divine research, which was really wonderful um, for me to have that access. Yeah. So was it easier to research this book or have you had other ones that are were easier? But it sounds like you had so much available to you about this character. Um, it, it's it's true. And sometimes you get more information than you, than you know what to do with and you have to sort okay. of sort it out. Mm -hmm. um, there have been other books, particularly um, I wrote a series of books about an indigenous woman. Her name was Marie Dorian. And she was the only um, female as part of the Astor expedition, which was the first big expedition after Lewis and Clark went okay. back. And she came with all these men and two little boys, and she was pregnant at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, and of course, there was very little written about her. There was all kinds of stuff about the expedition and so on. Um, but again, out of the out of the woodwork, people would contact me and say, "I understand you're trying to re do some research on Marie Dorian." And in that instance, we we were able to travel, and so my husband and I went back to the reservation that she came from mm -hmm. and were able to meet with historians. But it's very difficult to research people of um, people of color. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really gratified when the tribe especially was very pleased with the way in which um, her portrayal was included in the three books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when the reader finishes this book and closes it after that last chapter, what do you hope they take away? I hope that they would consider um, their own path, even when it might might um, diverge from what loving parents want, mm -hmm. that if, it, if they believe that it's part of God's plan for them, that they would feel strong enough to say, I think this is what God wants for me. I know that's not what you want for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that takes a great courage. The other thing I hope that people might identify is that she was just an ordinary woman. Mm -hmm. um, who lived an extraordinary life, but she just wanted to be a wife and mom. And she just wanted to take good care of her children. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to live well with her neighbors. And I think that that is a worthy, that's worthy work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think that we have to be doing something or making a big difference in the world. And I think she made a difference in the lives of her children and in her neighbors with the native people that she interacted with and other friends and of course with her husband. So I, I hope that people might look at their own lives and say, you know, I'm doing okay. This mm -hmm. is, you know, I, I'm, I'm extraordinary in that way too. Um, and be gratified for, mm -hmm. for their lives. So Jane, what is up next for you? Can you tell us what you're, what you're working on next or well, you have actually I'm taking a little bit of a leave. Um, lot of um, health issues and um, and earlier this year we made a decision to not try to you know do another contract and to not start um, but actually to sort of focus on taking care of him and taking care of each other I do have I certainly have story ideas and mm -hmm. I've done some research this summer um, but I don't have anything you know I don't have another book after 35 years of always having a book out, I don't have a book coming out next September. <laughs> so, so this is the last one for a while. Okay. So.
Well, I will make sure to add your husband to my prayers and hope everything. everything You're very welcome. And everyone, if you like this chapter of the Christian Fiction Bookshelf podcast, make sure to hit subscribe below. And Jane's book is out now, Beneath the Bending Sky. Buy it at your local Christian bookstore or wherever you buy books. Jane, thank you so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for thinking of me to have this uh, conversation. Absolutely. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Family Fiction's Christian Fiction Bookshelf Podcast. Stay up to date on all things Christian fiction at familyfiction.com. Christian Fiction Bookshelf is produced by Ross Kluver, hosted by Jamie Vaughn, and edited by Brandon Woolham. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss a chapter.